The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Welcome to Deal of the Week, Bloomberg's podcast on the world of mergers, acquisitions, and investments. I'm your host, Alex Sherman. This week, we will talk about a continuation of something that we talked about last week, which is uh, a Rare Airlines merger. Uh, this was a Bloomberg-owned story. Bloomberg's Matt Monks and Ed Hammond broke the news that Virgin America was exploring a sale a week or two ago. Uh, and then last week, you heard Mr. Hammond on this show share with us the news that he broke that the two most likely suitors or buyers for Virgin America were JetBlue and Alaska Air. And now this week, we have found out the winner, Alaska Air agreeing to buy Virgin America for $2.6 billion. And so since we spoke with Ed last week, I figured it was time to talk to Matt Monks this week. He joins us now. Hi, Matt. Hey, thanks for having me. So Alaska Air wins Virgin America. Uh, that's sort of the, the big deal of this week. Why does this make sense for Alaska Air? I guess the way to think about it here is you got to put it in the broader context of the U.S. airline industry. The, the industry is dominated by four big players that control 80 to 85 percent of the marketplace, and everybody else is essentially fighting over breadcrumbs. Uh, what this deal is really about for Alaska, it's about getting you know more heft to better compete against the uh, the four main guys. You know, while Alaska, it's generally considered to be a, a well-run and healthy company, it's faced a lot of growth challenges in recent years, given the uh, competitive dynamics of the industry. Uh, so this is going to put it into California, a really important market where it hasn't uh, been able to gain access or a lot of access in recent years. Uh, it gets uh, some very valuable uh, transcontinental airline flights from California to D.C. to New York. Um, it's going to realize uh, substantial cost savings of more, hundred, more than $200 million a year, I believe. And uh, most importantly, it prevents you know rival JetBlue, which was also vying for the company, from becoming a bigger, stronger competitor. Are they sticking with the name Alaska Air? Have they said that yet? Yes, they're going to keep the Alaska brand, and I believe they said um, they're going to think about what they're going to do with the Virgin brand. Do we have a sense if Alaska outbid JetBlue? Yes, they did. They absolutely did. Uh -huh. uh, we don't know how much exactly. All I've been able to wring from people is that at, by at least a few more dollars. But if you look at the numbers, they're paying something uh, around a 47% premium to where it was trading before we broke the news that it was in play. If you look at average airline deals going back to uh, 1995, I believe, according to DealLogic, you know, the average premium was 23%. So they're paying a whopping price here, which tells you a lot. One thing I found really interesting about the deal was a blog post from Virgin founder Richard Branson, uh, who uh, is fairly well-known. Ed and I talked about him last week. I mean, w when you hear Virgin, you think Richard Branson. Uh, he's now just a minority owner in Virgin America. And last week, I asked Ed why Richard Branson might want to sell Virgin America. And Ed said, well, you know, Virgin was approached with an offer. Uh, and this week, Branson went a little bit further to explain why he wanted to sell. And his reasoning was he didn't want to sell. Uh, he, he wrote this blog online sort of explaining how federal regulations restricting foreign ownership of U.S. airlines limited his ability to influence 
the takeover discussion. So in other words, the board of Virgin America decided to take the Alaska offer and there was nothing Branson could do about it because he didn't own enough voting shares due to the U.S. rules. That struck me as somewhat unusual where someone who's so uh, – I, I suppose it happened a little bit with Men's Warehouse, but uh, which was which was a hostile deal uh, uh, where the person who was sort of synonymous with the brand was against it and yet eventually lost it. But it was – here we have a sort of a weird – type of deal in some senses where this was not a hostile takeover and yet you've got you know the person who founded the brand sort of coming out and saying look i lost this thing sorry yeah it was his baby i guess he hated to see it go and and even more than that i think sort of the sorry part of this was he expressed a little bit of concern in this blog post about losing the virgin image and this gets back to your point matt about like what are they going to do with this are they going to make it alaska air are they going to keep it virgin america you know richard branson sort of goes on and on in this blog post about how much he cares about the customer service aspect and if you've flown on virgin you certainly know i mean their first class is probably unrivaled Uh, i have not flown on that but my wife has and she has told me about it uh, several times about how much of an impact that made on her uh, even in their sort of economy seating you know they do offer a lot of other things that they have this premium economy which gives you a meal and it gives you you know video options and they're there you don't really get premium economy on any other american airline that i know nevertheless virgin america is still the ninth largest u.s airline so they're sort of operating on a different playing field than some of the biggest firms and i know richard branson's concern was are we going to lose what makes Virgin America Virgin America? Sort of. Are we going to lose what makes this airline special if it merges with Alaska? I don't know. I don't know that much about airlines, so I don't know how his brand. His brand has got. That's cool why we have you on the show. No, no, no. But his brand has cool cachet, right? But what what makes Virgin special here is the real estate that it has, valuable slots in California. I mean, he got in there and bought them at the right time and it's those uh transcontinental routes between California and New York and California and DC that's what makes Virgin special <laughs> I mean that's that's straight up what this is about the the branding aspect of it I mean that's an old story right uh, a larger company buys a smaller company with a specialized kind of brand and usurps it and whatever made that company interesting kind of disappears after a while yeah and uh, what what's also an old story is when you think about airline mergers they fail uh, a lot, and, and and there's a large destruction of value associated with airline mergers. And yeah, a part of that is uh, the fact that customers are very price sensitive, and uh, it associated with that is some poor customer service. You know, in other words, two airlines merge, you need to cut costs, you strip away all the good stuff, and you end up with you know uh, an industry that has that rivals the cable companies and the utility companies every year as the worst customer service. Uh, industries in the United States. Yet, the reasons that airline mergers typically fail are that there's high fixed costs associated with airlines, and there are very strong labor unions, so that when you put these two things together, you don't really get all that much synergies because you're you're in an industry where there's only so much you can strip out. Yeah. And when you're dealing with price-sensitive customers, you start to get into a black hole. In other words, you, all of a sudden, you're, you're forced to have to jack up prices then these smaller airlines like virgin america come in undercut you on price and you're left with two different options an airline you don't want to fly on uh, or an airline you do want to fly on and then they get bigger and they sort of lose the status of being able to undercut you on price which is why southwest has succeeded in the airline industry and a lot of these other big ones have not And, and really if you think about 
all of the recent airline mergers. You've got Delta Northwest, American TWA, United Continental. I mean, some of these have been outright disasters. Some of them maybe have been more of a mixed bag. What, what, what all this uh, discussion leads up to is, does this merger fall in that bucket, Matt? In other words, is it fair to put Alaska and Virgin, two smaller airlines, in the same breath as American and TWA? I don't know, and I think it's an open-ended question. We don't really know how good Alaska is at integrating acquisitions because they haven't made a major one in 20 years. Uh, going back to what I said before, it's, it's considered to be a well-run company. It's a well-regarded company, uh, but it's a conservative company in the way that it runs itself and also in its image that it puts out into the marketplace. Uh, up until a couple of years ago, they would hand out little you know, sheets with uh, like prayers on them, you know, and now they're buying this kind of sexy, fast-moving West Coast airline. So there's a culture clash there, and it's an open-ended question whether they can integrate this thing. Um, and then, you know, uh, given the price that they've paid for it, are they going to be able to execute on it in a way that delivers decent returns to shareholders? So uh, that doesn't answer your question uh, other than it, it tells you that we're going to have to wait and see. What is the prayers thing that they handed out? I'm sorry, I, I I I vaguely remember this. Yeah, they that used, they ended. They had prayer cards. Yeah, they or had like something. prayer cards they used to hand out, but they stopped doing it a couple of years ago. Are there any antitrust concerns with this deal? Speaking to the people involved, they feel very confident that the Department of Justice is going to uh, clear it, but we'll see. The the last substantial airline merger, uh, American and uh, U.S. Air, back in 2013, got challenged by Bill Baer, who um, is very clear that he wants to keep a tight rein over the airline industry. Um, that deal did end up going through that created the number three airline. This would create the number five airline. So does the Department of Justice sue to block uh, the creation of the number five after letting that deal go through? I don't know. We're going to wait and see. Yeah, that seems like a no. In other words, it will go through to me based on the face of it, both usually when you're dealing with a combination to give you a number five carrier, typically... Uh, those deals go through. And like you said, there is precedence for an even larger deal to go through. So I would say that's pretty strong evidence that this one will go through. But uh, you're right, that American U.S. Air deal uh, faced major complications uh, in order to, to eventually go through. That was a real dogfight. Uh, when that one went through a couple of years ago. Yeah, and last year, uh, uh, the DOJ did uh, an investigation of the top four to uh, see whether they were um, coordinating to control the supply of seats, which would have, um, you know, in turn translated into controlling prices. So he's, he's all up in the uh, airline industry as a general matter. So uh, it will be very interesting to see how he takes a look at this one. Any chance another bidder jumps in here? I don't see how it happens. The top four just can't do anything more. And uh, yeah, I think JetBlue was the only one that really could have made something happen here. Matt Monks doesn't know much about airlines, he says, but <laughs> seems to know a lot about them based on this discussion. Uh, M&A reporter for Bloomberg. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. So a short and sweet episode this week, just focusing on the airline industry. I uh, appreciate all of you listening to Deal of the Week. And of course, you can go back and listen to all of our episodes, uh, either on iTunes or online. You can stream the episodes and you can expect more Bloomberg reporters like Matt and M&A professionals who are doing deals real time. Next week, we'll be speaking with guest Hadley Mullen, Senior Managing Director at TSG Consumer Partners, a private equity firm that specializes in consumer and retail. They've made investments in Paps Beer, Stumptown Coffee, Pop Chips, and a lot of your other favorite products to consume. And until then, you can find us on Bloomberg Terminal and Bloomberg.com, as well as on iTunes, Google Play, or whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. And take a minute to rate and review the show while you're there. Also, follow me on Twitter at Sherman4949 and 
Matt Monks is at Matt Monks123. See you next week. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.